This morning we're on the third of our four-part series, Finding God in Your Songs, just looking through some popular or maybe not so popular music, trying to look for themes that let us reflect on ourselves, reflect on how we stand in our life, and then in relationship uh, to God. This morning, as if you read the newsletter from Friday, um, the song we're going to do is one that I'm 99% sure, if not 100% sure, that uh, none of you have ever heard of it before or even heard of the group. The group is a duo of ladies, two ladies, uh, Jesse Wilson and Callie North. The group, they call themselves Muddy Magnolias. Ever heard of them, Leslie? If you haven't heard of them, then I know no one's heard of them. Uh, they formed in 2014. Um, Callie North was from uh, Brooklyn, New York. Sorry, Callie North is from Bo- uh, Beaumont, Texas. Jesse Wilson is from Brooklyn, New York. They met in Nashville, and just for a couple of years, they collaborated. They really only put out uh, one album, one vinyl album, and one EP. And the song we're going to do today is called Down by the Riverside. This is a live performance. Uh, it's a song that was actually uh, Rick Beato produced most of their music, and this song comes out of a uh, acoustic guitar riff, which if you listen carefully, you'll hear in the song that uh, Rick Beato presented to the duo in his Atlanta studio. It's a wonderful song, um, has lots of depth in its words to it. And you will know, of course, if you know anything about folk music or spirituals, that the whole theme of Down by the Riverside is is there's lots of those kind of songs and the theme is very rich and i think this is a very rich version of that theme so here we go down by the riverside by muddy magnolias Yeah. <laughs> 
to the night, to the rhythm in the sky, I'll be dancing in the dark, I'll be waiting in the blues, won't you lay your harvest down, on the edges of the pain, I wash it all away, cast away my heavy load, lay it down by the willow grove, muddy water, heals my soul, going to rest my burdens down, fixed upon that starry crown, I find a peace of mind, this is my favorite, I made it out alive down by the riverside. Most of us, I think, have something with water. We enjoy the ocean, we enjoy the stream, we enjoy being around water, we enjoy uh, hearing it, we enjoy feeling it. Some of us enjoy swimming in it. Twenty some years ago, when Cindy and I lived in Amsterdam, and I was going through a tough period of um, some mental and other other things, some struggles, some crises. I don't even remember how it happened, or what I remember how it happened. I don't remember exactly why it happened. I ended up buying a boat. If you know anything about Amsterdam, Amsterdam is a city of canals. So I bought my first boat was a little tiny boat with an outboard motor. And uh, we just sailed around on the, on the canals of Amsterdam in this little outboard motor. And then the boat that you see here, this boat on the left called Oklahoma was our second boat. It was a little bit bigger and a little bit steadier. And uh, we were able to take people with us. And this picture was actually taken during sail 2005. The North Sea Canal is about 10 miles, goes from the ocean into Amsterdam, and, and all the tall ships and all the huge ships sail in, and all the little boats, all the little Amsterdam little boats are allowed to sail with them. It was just an absolutely magnificent day in every single aspect. So I'm one of those ones who just feels very much like water has a, a cleansing and a refreshing and a renewing it, it does that for me. And one of my favorite things is to float in the ocean, not too far out, but just a little ways out, just kind of above my depth and just reflect and bathe in its infiniteness. And to think about the love of God as this infinite thing that just is, you can't go to its depths. You, you can't go to its end. Obviously, I know you can get to the end of the ocean, but, but you know what I mean. For me, it's just a very 
a very personal personal thing that has a great impact on me. And that's one of the reasons why a song like this means so much to me. Of course, throughout the Bible, the theme of river, it flows through the Bible, pun intended. All the way from Genesis 1, of course, a river flows out of Eden to water the garden, and there it divides and becomes four rivers. So right at the beginning of the story of the Bible, it's, it's, it's surrounded by and embedded in, in these rivers, in, in these great big rivers. And then throughout the Old Testament, of course, there's, there's often these visions of, of the people of Israel being in a desert or in a dry land, whether that's a physical desert or dry land, or whether that's just kind of the parchedness of a heart. And the Bible is always promising that uh, water will flow out of the rocks and flow over the desert and bring life. And then the Bible concludes with this wonderful vision from Revelation 22, which we will project on the screen, and I'll just read it for you. But it's just uh, magnificent. The very last chapter of the Bible ends with, The angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. So there's this tremendous vision of, of when everything is reconciled again, this, this city in which we'll live and this stream of water flowing through it. And on the banks, these, these trees, these trees are rooted deep in the water, deep in the soil, and their fruit brings healing to all nations. And for those of you like me who are counting all of the alls in the Bible, here's another one, all nations. One of the most touching passages about streams and about rivers is found in Psalm 137. Psalm 137 was written while Israel was in captivity in Babylon. Uh, I won't give you all the history just for the the sake of time, but if, if you know your Old Testament, you know at a certain point that Israel, because of their sin, was taken out of their promised land and was moved over to the city, taken captive. They were refugees. They were immigrants, uh, slaves, actually, in, this, in, this, in this, this empire of Babylon as punishment for their sins. There was no hope anymore. They were under oppression and being mocked from their captors. And so one of them, we don't know who, wrote this Psalm 137. Before I read it, I do want to comment if you either know this psalm, or if you go home and read it this afternoon, you will notice that I'm not reading the last three verses. The last three verses are some of the most difficult verses in the whole Old Testament to interpret. They're quite violent, and this, that's just not my topic today. So I'm not skipping them because I don't think they're there, or I don't want to do anything with them. I just, I just don't have time to deal with it today. If you want to ask me what I think about it, feel free. I'm happy to do it, but I'm just deliberately skipping over that uh, today as much as I'd like to say something about it. We just don't have time. So here are the first six verses of Psalm 137. 
By the waters of Babylon, there we sat down and wept when we remembered Zion. On the willows there we hung up our lyres. For there our captors required of us songs and our tormentors mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. Let my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth. If I do not remember you, if I do not set Jerusalem above my highest joy. So Israel's in captivity in Babylon. Their hope is gone. They're under oppression and, and mocking and taunting from their captors. They use the word torment. So they go down to the river. And they weep. And they hang their lyres, their harps up in the willow trees. And there they are. And what do they do while they're there? They remember Zion. The captors, of course, are taunting them. Sing some of these songs about this great city that, where you came from that you know is now destroyed. Come on. Show us a little patriotism. Sing that national anthem. And as they're being taunted, and as their hearts are broken, and as they're by that riverside, they say, and yet we will never forget Zion. Even if we lose the ability to use our right hand, even if we lose the ability to sing, even should my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth, I will not forget you. In fact, Zion will always be, says the psalm, my highest joy. So this coming to the riverside is there's despair in it, but that's not where it stays. They're choosing to focus on Zion. And what is Zion? What's well, the city of the city of Jerusalem? It's the place where God literally dwells. If there was any place in the world where you would go to meet God, to see him, to, there he is, it would be there in Jerusalem. It's where he takes his seat. It's the capital of the kingdom of God, which is the, the direct opposite of empire, Babylon. It's the place of holiness. It's a hiding place. It's a fortress. It's a place of security. It's a place of hope for the poor and downtrodden. It's the center of worship. It's the place of joy and peace. It's the city on the hill, the center of Jewish life, of Jewish religion, of Jewish hope, and of Jewish peace. That's Jerusalem, this city. And down by the riverside, with broken hearts, and hearing the taunts of their captors, Israel lifts its eyes up and remembers this city in the middle of their despair. 
But in the New Testament, something changes. Jesus joins the Samaritan woman at the well on that hot afternoon. You may remember that story. She recognizes that he's a prophet. And she says, our fathers worship on this mountain. The Samaritans worship on this mountain. But you say, you Jews say that Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. And Jesus says to her, woman, remember, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. Something's fundamentally changing here. The woman says to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, and when he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus says, I who speak to you am he. I am the Messiah. And then a little bit later in the same Gospel of John, the Jews are arguing with Jesus. And they say to him, what sign do you show us for doing these miracles that you're doing? And Jesus says to them, He's obviously standing right on the temple mount there. He says, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. And the Jews said, it's been, it took us 46 years to build this temple. And will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. So in the New Testament, what changes is that the place where God dwells becomes Jesus. If you want to know who God is, you look at Jesus. Jesus is the king instead of empire. Jesus is the holy one. You can go to the next slide, Rick, thanks. Jesus is the holy one. Jesus is the hiding place. Jesus is our security and our identity. Jesus is the one who heals the sick, who frees the captive. Jesus is the one who forgives sin. It's no longer this city. It's no longer this place. It's the person of Jesus Christ. Comes and says, I am now God. God resides in me. I am he. And when you follow me and when you connect your life to me, and when I come and dwell inside of you, then all the things that you used to find in Jerusalem, you now find in me. And they're just as available to you as the breath that's in your lungs. And then Jesus says, just a little later in John, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, here it comes, out of his heart will flow what? Rivers. I believe, here's the image again. Whoever believes in me, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Calling to the night, to the rhythm in the sky. I'll be dancing in the dark. I'll be waiting in the blues. Won't you lay your harvest down? I found the hiding place. On the edges of the pain, I wash it all away.
I cast away my heavy load. I lay it down by the willow grove. Muddy water heals my soul. Going to rest my burdens down, fixed upon that starry crown. I find a peace of mind. I made it out alive down by that riverside. So for us as individuals sitting here, whatever's happening in your life today, whatever phase you're in, wherever you find yourself, And for us as a church, we're going to be installing new officers today, starting a new season, starting a new thing, not totally new, but new in some ways. There's number one in this, in this song and in this Bible passage, the invitation to be honest about how we're doing. Where is your darkness? Where is your pain? Where is your heavy load? What burdens are you carrying? What blues are you waiting in? What fears do you have that you might not make it out alive or that we might not make it out alive? And the invitation of this song and the invitation of this psalm and the invitation of scriptures and the invitation of Jesus is to say, come down by the riverside and just tell me that. If you need to hang your harps up, go ahead and do so. But while you do that, remember Zion. Or remember Jesus in New Testament terms. Come to the riverside, come to Jesus. Would it be possible for you or for us to dance in the dark? Would it be possible for us to find a hiding place? Would it be possible for you to find a hiding place where you would be secure? Is it possible that these muddy waters might heal our souls? That we might find peace of mind? Is it possible that we might make it out alive? If you're down by the riverside, I want to encourage you to look at this Jesus who, who, who is there in whom we see God and to somehow come to him in any way that you can both you as an individual and us as a community, and to remember his words, that out of Jesus will flow these rivers of living water, and they'll flow through us, so that not only will our hearts and lives be watered, but those of all around us, and eventually the whole world. Amen.